0: The Blockbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us, as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and Language of Bromance, at PodBros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now, sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Blockbusters Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of Film Spotlight. It is just myself this time around. Brian has decided to spend a little bit of time with his family, and so let me running this little podcast all alone. But that's all right, because I found someone else to join me. Uh, for this Film Spotlight episode, I've managed to get a hold of you know, a little guy you may have heard of him, called Adol Refai. He is someone that works at the I.O. Chicago uh, he is a team performer a coach a teacher an improviser and most likely you've heard of him from the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern where he plays a shapeshifter called Chunt and hello to you Shoes. so uh Adol, how are you doing
0: doing well thank you so much for having me
1: oh, dude, no problem it's uh, it's a great get for me personally because I have been enjoying the podcast so much, and fun to uh, to get to talk to you. <laughs> so, why don't you tell us a bit about what you do? <laughs> and uh, of
0: course, yeah. Well, first, I'll start off and say it's it's funny that your co host has gone to spend time with his family because I'm used to hosts who don't spend time with their family. So, um, <laughs> nice nice to switch it up just a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm an improviser in Chicago. Um, so, I uh, perform at uh, IO, as you mentioned, with uh, a team called Revolver and World News Tonight. And uh, do, uh, like you said, hello from the Magic Tavern podcast. And I also do a podcast with my sister called Sibling Speculaire. Oh. Um, so, yeah, just keep busy with uh, with um, being an adult who plays pretend for a living.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the dream, really, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a nightmare, yeah.
1: Yes, very much. <laughs> Yes, it's a dream if it goes right, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, that, that's cool. How how did you get into it in the first place?
0: Oh boy, well, I was a, uh, a theatre major in college, I went to Illinois State University, and um, so doing theatre, I kind of fell into the improv group that was at the college, uh, it was a short uh, short form improv group, so. I started playing with them, and then as I made my way to college right after, uh, sorry, made my way to Chicago right after college, um, I fell into the improv scene here and just kind of discovered that I enjoy this way more than I enjoy theater in terms of like there's no uh, like tech rehearsal, there's no memorization of lines. You can kind of adapt to what the audience is giving off. And um, as someone who's incredibly lazy, I found that to be quite appealing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've always found that. I am way better at feeding off people than initiating, so like I feel like I've yeah. got half of improv down. I just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish I I had that ability. I, I've seen obviously uh, whose line is it anyway? And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's always a lot of fun to watch. But I yeah, and I think that, that's
0: the re- the reference point for most people.
1: Yeah, I, I know I could never do that myself, because as much as I'm willing to go with anything, I'm just not that quick at coming up with the follow-ups or stuff like that, <laughs> so yeah, it sounds really cool. I, uh, I I, hope to be able to find some local stuff around here, but uh, I am in Marion, Ohio, and to be brutally honest, there's sod all around here, so uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe one day I'll make a pilgrimage. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please come. Uh, let me know, and I'll, I'll give you some tickets. Um, so, I, I have to ask: uh, You're in Marion, Ohio. You clearly have a British accent. Where? <laughs> how did you arrive in? Has this been talked about on the podcast? How did you come from?
1: Uh, come from what? Uh, well, I I, I, I have mentioned it before, but yes, uh, I w- grew up in England. I was there for twenty-four years. And while I was at university, I met my wife online. And after I finished university, she came over for a few years. We got married in her final year of university and then moved over here in 2011.
0: Very cool. Yeah,
1: so it's uh, it's actually something I really like doing. When I meet people and they say, "Oh, like what are you doing over here?" I just hold up my hand and point to my ring. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: feel like I feel like a Brit in Marion, Ohio is like a Mark Twain novel or something.
1: Yeah, I know it's kind of weird. And the other weird thing is, one of the jobs that I had before, the one I have now, I was working at a relatively well-known food serving place, and someone came in, and they were from the north of England. And I got his information. We talked a little bit off and on over the years. He lives in Marion, Ohio too. So He <laughs> so, started the trend. I know. Uh, I'm not sure it's a trend that really needed to be started, but uh, it started now, so yeah. <laughs> all right well uh obviously i got you here <laughs> to talk about oh
0: i got myself here as well yeah yes yeah, i true. talked myself into this so i, I helped yeah
1: <laughs> yes uh i i didn't go full split fashion and get you in a, a car and drive you down here that uh, uh, we uh, uh got a hold of you to talk about a film that you love and a film that you maybe don't so uh, as per usual I say we start with the one that you really like and for those that are listening for the first time I have no idea what films you've picked, so this could be very interesting or very dull for people listening, if I am completely ignorant. So, <laughs> so, uh, That's a
0: lot of pressure to put on me, my man. Oh,
1: it, it, <laughs> the pressure's all on me. I've got to make this interesting or I don't know it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, well, here's the funny thing, is that in, in preparation for this, I actually selected a movie, and then, uh, because it took us a little while to connect and figure out a time that worked, the movie I was going to do was actually, I believe, your most recent podcast. So I was going to do Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is one oh. of my all-time favorite movies. Um, that, and along with Beetlejuice and Coming to America. Um, wow. So I uh, obviously went away from that, and I actually went with Kubo into Two Strings, which Kubo came out last year. Is that something you saw?
1: Uh, it has been something I've wanted to watch for a long time, and it is in my Netflix queue right now. So I am Oh, wonderful. I am definitely acquainted with this film, and I have heard both good and bad things about it, so I'm interested to hear your take on it. So
0: I'm interested to hear who said bad things about this. <laughs> uh,
1: well, one of the people that said bad things about it was someone that doesn't like animated films, so that probably okay. had something to do with it. Um, Alright. So, well, I've never
0: met this person, but clearly they're a monster.
1: I'm. I'm you know, I'm just going to agree with you there. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'll let the person that it happened to be just uh, they can guess it it's them or not. So normally I try and uh, guess the, the genre, but I'm going to guess it's animation. Uh, You'd be right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well,
0: right. it's it's stop motion animation, so that's uh I guess a little bit of a caveat. Yeah. Yeah. A subcategory. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, a a very interesting section of animation that doesn't get enough of a I personally think, but uh, uh, why don't you sell us on the film then? Why should people watch it? Uh,
0: so I saw it twice in theatres, and to me it's just, uh, one, it's, like, it's absolutely gorgeous, it's stunning. So it's done by, um, I'm blanking on the name of the studio, it's like Lakai or Lakay or something, uh, but right. they did Coraline, they did the Neil Gaiman, these are all... <laughs> I feel like every word I'm saying is words I've heard other people pronounce differently. Where they're like, "It's Coraline" <laughs> or "It's Neil Gaiman." I'm like, I, I, I can't <laughs> care anymore. Um, so I'll just stick with what I said. So uh, they did uh, Coraline, did, um, and they did uh, something—maybe rolls or something. Um, but it's just gorgeously shot, and the whole content of the story is like a—it's like a Japanese folklore. And I yeah. am a huge, huge fan of any sort of like uh, myths, um, folklore, Greek mythology, uh, any and all of that is right in my wheelhouse and something I love. And especially growing up, and it's a very, it's a very dark movie in terms of like. Um, I think we we assume any animation is like immediately geared for like ages three to eight or something, three to ten. Yeah. So it's uh, it's incredibly dark. So I think there's something in it for everyone. And I grew up um, especially loving the Scary Stories series, which was Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamble did a series called Scary Stories to tell in the dark. Um, I think they did three, three books of it. Um, but it's just like these wonderfully dark stories about like, uh, there's like a scarecrow that's made from human skin that comes to life and kills everyone. It's like these really uh, <laughs> fucked up like <laughs> uh, stories for kids. Or like if you've read Roald Doll, like Roald Doll um doesn't give a shit where he he will you know just brutalize <laughs> his characters and just be like you figure out the meaning you know um yeah. so i feel like in a similar vein because because i enjoy the sort of um the darkness to it uh it's this japanese uh folklore or uh, folktale uh about a young boy who is fatherless who lives with his mother in a cave um mm-hmm. and he only has one eye so <laughs> right out of the gate he's missing an eye because someone plucked it out of his skull <laughs> um, so right away, you know, young toddlers are running out of the, the theater screaming. Um, but he, he has a magical, um, a magical instrument with two strings that he can play and like bring, um, origami to life with it. Um, and he goes down to the village from, from on top of the the mountain where the cave is. He goes down to the village daily and sort of entertains, entertains and sort of, um, hustles for money while playing his guitar to show these little magic shows, Um, And then he uh, inevitably stays out past midnight, past uh, 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 dusk, I guess. Um, And his mom always tells him, don't stay out after dark. You always need to be inside the cave before dark or else your grandpa will find you. Um, Hmm. And we find out that his grandpa is the Moon King, uh, which is uh, uh, (laughs) pretty cool. Um, And he has these ants who are trying to kill him as well. So everyone in his family is trying to kill him on his mom's side. And then he just goes on an adventure in terms of trying to find um, his father's lost armor. His, fa- his father had this unbreakable helmet, this impenetrable breastplate, this unbreakable sword. So he goes on a quest to find all his father's like armor and swords because his father was apparently this great samurai. Hmm. Um, and he's accompanied by a magical origami samurai and by an <laughs> um, anthropomorphic uh, baboon um, to great comic relief.
1: Yeah, I I remember seeing the trailers for this, and it seems every character that isn't the main boy has some sort of comedic vein running through. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And I
0: feel like everything I just described, everything I just described, sounds like I'm making up something for like a children's birthday party. Where I'm like, and there's a monkey and a little paper man and a sword, like. <laughs> but it's uh, obviously the movie does a much better job revealing all of that than I did.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, uh, and I I sort of enjoy the slightly weird films. I wasn't able to sit through Coraline, but I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed Paranorman, which was the second film that that company made, and it was oh goodness. Really nice. Yeah, it was the first one that I saw where it was clearly aimed at like let's say, let's say young teen age sort of children but it had a very mature edge to it and yeah. i and i really enjoy that style of thing and it looked like this has the same kind of thing and yeah, the japanese side I, I i love that i'm a huge anime fan so i'm well aware that not all animation is just for kids and yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah i i love that style that era so it, it will be something i'm sure i will enjoy when i finally sit down to watch it um so so what about this film speaks to you what made you pick it other than we'd already covered who Frame roger Rabbit? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because mine was freaking
0: um, yeah, again, I, I think it's just that I have, I have such a love and a, fasc- a fascination for anything sort of supernatural or, um, you know, like folktales or anything like that. So I think it was just, um, it, everything, every component of this spoke to my sort of proclivities. So it was just, um, it was just a no brainer. And I feel like they, they don't, again, I, I have so much respect and enjoyment for any, anything that's, um, Presented as sort of a, you know, for the family or children's tale, but doesn't pull any punches that there can be like these life lessons couched within that deal with really dark, tragic, fucked up um, (laughs) uh, content. So I I think, you know, in in the movie, they're not afraid to kill off characters. In fact, many beloved characters die. And um, the ants, the aforementioned ants who are like twins and who wear these terrifying masks, um, they're pure nightmare fuel. Like, it's just they're absolutely terrifying and i can't imagine as a kid seeing that and then trying to sleep ever um but it's i, I just think it's so wonderful in terms of like not uh, maybe exposing is the wrong word but you know exposing kids to this uh, at a young age in terms of like you don't have to be coddled you don't have to like you don't have to be shown cars until you're 18 um so that so that you know mommy's little faberge egg doesn't crack so I, I really enjoy that it's just it's just you know presenting this this vision presenting this uh, beautiful story and just being like here's a lot of stuff that we deal with in life and maybe we don't you know we don't talk about it. or like here's a boy with who's missing an eye and he's being tempted by his grandpa to give up his other eye um to be completely <laughs> blind so it's just like just such wonderful interesting compelling dark content that i appreciate in terms of like not that it not that i you know, sickly want all, everything to contain dark content, but specifically in the vein of, like, uh, all ages will see this and and kind of learn and grow from it. Um, again, versus, like, cars where it's like, ooh, a NASCAR car goes vroom vroom, and this one's a hick, and this one, <laughs> and this one's, you know, bashful. Like, I appreciate that it's um, it's a little more sort of setting up people for what life is.
1: Yeah, and it sounds to me like it's very similar in that vein to The Little Prince. I don't know if you've seen that, but it was one of my favourite films of the year when I saw that because I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And it actually deals with loss and death, and it does kind of then work its way around it but it does make yeah. the argument of well that's kind of necessary in life and how do you deal with it so
0: yeah absolutely i have i uh, i know netflix made um, a special of it i haven't watched it yet but i've read the book and yeah the book is all like uh, i remember when he's on it's been a while so forgive me yeah. but i know when he's on his little planet that he visits other planets yeah, and like yes. on one of the Planets is just like this raging alcoholic and I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like oh this is a pretty uh pretty blunt um look at alcoholism and what it does to you and and I know like at, by, by the end he's like bit by a snake right and dies or yes. goes back uh, home uh, wink yeah, wink yeah
1: yeah the the film is actually told in a way that the main character is someone who moves in next door to the person that wrote the book, and he actually okay. met The Little Prince, so it's dealing with that, and then towards the end, you actually get to a point of, is this actually happening, and they're furthering the story, or is this imagined, and you don't really get gotcha. a definitive answer to that, so it's, it's really well done.
0: Oh, very cool. That's well <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah, and I, I could go on for a long time about stop-motion animation films because obviously being English, I grew up with Wallace and Gromit. And oh yeah, I've never has...
0: really watched that, but I, I appreciate that as a stereotypically British thing.
1: <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, <laughs> I obviously recommend the original uh, features over The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, because The Curse of the Were-Rabbit is very polished and very sort of modern kids' film. Whereas the original, they, they have that layer to it where it can be a little darker, such as the wrong trousers is almost Hitchcockian in that they get a person who's a lodger and then it turns out he's a bank robber. And so they're, <laughs> trying, to, they're trying to deal with that, although Gromit's the one that's trying to deal with it because Wallace is almost in denial about it. So it's. Uh, Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool one.
0: <laughs> I have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking, of, yeah, going back to, to stop motion animation. Uh, at the end of the movie, they even show, and they may, they may do this with their other films that I just never caught it, but they show like some of the process, like the painstaking, like um, moving these little figures, you know, a, a thousand times to get the right shot. Uh, oh, but they okay. show this. They show a moment in the film where there's this giant like skeleton with swords in his head that they yeah. have to battle. Um, so it's just like this enormous set piece that they have to sort of manipulate and and uh, move the camera around, but they show that process sped up at the end, and it's just mind blowing in terms of like this. You, you have such a new appreciation and respect for the film, even <laughs> retroactively at the very end. Watching yeah. that, you're like, "Holy crap! This is <laughs> you know."
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's insane. In, it is insane the amount of work that goes into this thing. They released. A trailer for Paranorman, which was just the director, and Norman was standing up and walking over to the director, and they're basically saying, Hey, watch the film. And what it is, is it's sped up. So Norman's walking at what we would call a normal pace, and you see that fast buzz of everyone uh, moving him piece by piece. So, and the director's standing as still as he can. So it's just uh, really weird to watch. Uh, so uh, getting back to Kubo and the Two Strings here, um, do you have a favorite moment or scene from the film that uh, really stands out over the rest?
0: Um, I think there, there's two scenes that really stand out to me just in, in terms of like how sort of um, captivating and stunning they are. One is the battle with the, um, as I just mentioned, the giant sort of skeleton right. that they have to battle. That whole sequence is just um, just gorgeous and really uh, highly entertaining. And then there's another scene where they um, set sail on this boat made from flowers or from uh, leaves. Um, okay. So Kubo was able to, using his magical sort of guitar, he's able to conjure up this um, this schooner for them to uh, to traverse the seas on. That's made entirely of like fall leaves. Um, hmm. And then they fall into the water and, and encounter this. Um, the seabed uh collective of like giant eyeballs who can kind of ensnare you with their trance. So that whole okay. that whole scene and that whole sequence was just uh, both of those are just really um stand out as really wonderful, you know, images and the uh, uh climaxes yeah. of the story.
1: Yeah, and like uh, the, the giant eyeballs thing that sound very almost uh like Greek tragedy type thing. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I'm now very much looking forward to uh, watching these and seeing some of these images.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, <laughs> and I think it's I. It, I think it's silly of like because so many of my friends wouldn't see it because it's like a because they're like ah oh, it's a kids movie. But to me, I think it's so silly to think of anything as like. Uh, above your station as an adult or something so i <laughs> feel yeah. like i was like i was a kid once so i can appreciate this versus like i am over that or i'm too old for this so i, I think just giving giving yourself permission to be like i'm just going to enjoy this for what it is regardless of like its target audience yeah. versus trying to 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 you know be above that or anything
1: yeah. and uh my Immediate response to whatever I hear, like you know, our animation just for kids and stuff like that. Go watch Grave of the Fireflies and then come back and tell me that it's just for kids.
0: <laughs> Ooh, what's Grave of the Fireflies?
1: Grave of the Fireflies is a Studio Ghibli film. So, you know, obviously, let's take Ponyo. Very kid friendly, that one. Very, very, like, nice visuals, very cool story, an environmental story, but told very much in a way that appeals to kids. Then you've got Spirited Away, which is more for your general adult, where it's the story of this girl whose parents end up getting transformed into pigs, and she travels into this realm where she has her name taken away from her, and she has to try and escape. And then you've got Grave of the Fireflies, which is a story of two orphans during a war, and it ends with them dying. <laughs> so it's it's very much like, a, it's almost as if you're watching a concentration camp type thing, where it's like, you know it's not going to end well, and it's just depressing, and it's not something yeah. you want your five-year-old sitting down and watching on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Sure. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I... Uh, I will watch that. Yeah, I, I heartily recommend any Studio Ghibli film for anyone that thinks animation is just for kids, because they are very good, and they have a lot of things that are aimed just at the adults in the audience that the kids won't necessarily <laughs> understand.
0: I like the idea of, like, oh, you think animation's just for kids? Well, these two orphans just died, yeah. so go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is these things. Like, Ghost in the Shell's another one that is my favorite anime, and a lot of people don't want to watch it because it's so heavy. There's so much talk of identity, and also some of the visuals are very NSFW. So like, it, you can't make an argument at all that it's for kids because it's definitely not. Oh sure. See, so, yeah, obviously, this film doesn't have a sequel, and I normally ask if it doesn't have a sequel, what like do you want it to have a sequel, and if you do, like, what would it be, or do you think it should stand by itself?
0: Uh, I think it should stand alone. Um, I think it, everything wraps up pretty tightly, so I, I don't. I think if they were to make a sequel, it would have to be in that same world and follow somebody else or follow a different relative. Right. Um, but I, uh, I don't think they could successfully. I'm sure they could successfully, successfully do it, but it's not something I think they have to do or, or should do.
1: Right? Yeah. And like
0: fine. Kubo, Kubo and <laughs> the Three Strings. Like I don't. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, he, he finally finds an extra string for his instrument. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well
0: he he actually ends the movie with three strings.
1: Oh. So it's like
0: his, his his one of his hairs, his mother's hair and his father's hair. And he strings his guitar with those three hairs and that's what kind of defeats the evil. Um ah. so so he actually ends with three strings, so I guess they'd have to do four next time.
1: I yeah, I guess or he just picks up a guitar.
0: Yeah, or drums <laughs> or something, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm all for f- there not being sequels to films that like don't need them. Be- mm-hmm. uh, one of the other podcast things that we do is French Fried, where we review the latest in a long-running franchise to prove the point mm-hmm. that not all films should continue making sequels. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, we yeah you know, we covered uh, Police Academy Seven. We've done Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, <laughs> and the Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull. I should say. <laughs> uh, I think the one we've enjoyed the most was actually Jason X. Nice. Yeah. So it's uh, it it's a really weird thing with Hollywood, especially recently, where they're just like, "Well, that was profitable. Let's run this into the ground, shall we?"
0: Well, I think that's also. Part of my uh, my enjoyment of Kubo is just like how wholly original it is. Where it's like I've never I've never seen anything like this, uh, you know, live action or animated. Like it's so wholly unique and, and original. And in a time like when you said when when everyone's trying to be like, let's do a, a fifth Pirates of the Caribbean, let's do an eighth Fast and the Furious. Like when everything is all franchises, it's so um, refreshing to have something come out where you're just like. I don't know anything about this world. I don't know what this story is. I don't, you know, um, it's, it's just so exciting to, to have a unique property in this day and age in in cinema.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I very much agree. It's, it's so frustrating sometimes to look at, Oh, what's out in the cinema? And there's at least two sequels or a prequel or something like that. So, yeah. um, Well, I, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this one. <laughs> Thank you very much. For, yeah, let me,
0: yeah, of course. Let me know how you like it. Uh,
1: I will. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, we talked about the film that you enjoy, and now we had to go into the murky waters of a film that you maybe didn't like so much. So um, I don't know whether you picked one that you hate or just one you're disappointed in, but I am very intrigued to find out. <laughs>
0: I rarely, like, I rarely walk out of a theater being like, I hated that. Like, I really hate anything. Right. Um, but I, the movie I chose is one that I watched. Um, I probably watched a dozen times as like a child. So be- between the ages of maybe ten and sixteen, I probably watched it a dozen times. Okay. Um, but I, I somewhat recently watched it again and was like, oh no, this is not good. But through <laughs> my through my child's eyes, I was like, this is great. Um, which is the 1991 uh, mega hit, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right? <laughs> starring Kevin Costner as Robin Hood.
1: <laughs> yes, I uh, I have seen bits and pieces of this film specifically because mm-hmm. I just could never get into it. Uh, I yes, I remember it had Alan Rickman as the sheriff of Nottingham, and
0: and he's he's great, he's stellar. Um, so there, yeah. there are parts where it's like you know Morgan Freeman, rocks. He's great. Alan Rickman kills it. You know, Sean Connery shows up as the king at the end, and it's like, cool. That's what a great paycheck that must have been. Yeah. But <laughs> I, it's just so it there's obviously such a big budget to it, and it's uh, but it's just pretty. It's pretty bad. And again, I don't <laughs> hate it. It's like it's almost like a guilty pleasure at this point because. I have when I watch it I recall like me as a child watching it being so fascinated by it yeah so it's interesting to be like I know I really enjoyed this and I, I really like this scene and I remember you know trying to replicate this in my room or something um, <laughs> but it is as, a, as an adult it's a very sobering experience <laughs> and especially um, and you'll appreciate this uh, but especially Kevin Costner not even <laughs> trying to do a British accent
1: no where he's uh... just
0: he just kind of is like, nah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm good. And they're like, don't you want to be your Robin Hood? And he's like, no, thanks. Like, it's just so funny.
1: Yeah. And I think it was, uh, Eddie Izzard has a fantastic bit about it where he talks about the, the Nottingham twang now. And that's (laughs) what it's like. Yeah. Where is the maid Marion? I'm here at (laughs) Nottingham. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it spawned one of my favourite jokes in uh, uh, Men in Tights, actually, which is that bit where they're "And why will the pe- why will the people of Home follow you?" And Kerry Elwes just looks at the camera and goes, "Because I, unlike some Robin Hoods, can speak with an English accent." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I I know this film has so many people in it. That it was like, wow! This film should be great, and from all accounts, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you, you mentioned obviously it kind of being a guilty pleasure for you now, but uh, uh, what do you think made you like it when you were a child? Then, like, can you pinpoint anything that you really enjoyed back then that now you realise is just bad?
0: Um, I'll, I, I think I can pinpoint three things. So one, I, as a child, I had read, um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right. And so I was like Legolas was immediately my favorite and I was very much, uh, like archery was very fascinating to me. So I ah. think any scene where it's like a bad guy's coming and a, a arrow gets knocked and then like let loose and like hits dead on where you want it to is so was so like, holy crap, this is cool as hell. Like because <laughs> Because it's like guns are lame and, you know, shooting an arrow, you know, that's very cool and skillful and interesting. So I think as a kid I was fascinated with, with uh, archery, with bows and arrows. Uh, two is I would say there's like a witch who works for the sheriff of Nottingham.
1: Uh-huh. And again,
0: I, I was very – as a kid and as an adult now reflective, I, I'm very much into like supernatural or any, any sort of weird occultism or anything like that. So I remember like the witch being really interesting in terms of like she has her little – her little sort of hag den or something. And Alan Rickman comes in and she tosses like these weird uh, rocks or uh, runes in this bowl and shakes them up and pours blood in. And so I remember her like with her like really long, like coked fingernail drawing in the blood and like smattering these runes about and then telling a, uh, uh, you know, foreseeing the future in that manner. So remember that being like, really (laughs) like, Ooh, this is so spooky and weird. Um, and then, and then third is just, you know, when I was between the ages of 10 and 16, there's a part where, um, there's like, you know, made Marian in in various amounts of undress and, you know, the, Ah. the sexual tension. So I think it was just like, ooh, this is a very attractive woman, and she's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, doing whatever. So I think uh, that, that appealed to my young male brain.
1: Yes, a, a different type of magic was being performed there.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> a different type of archery as well.
1: Yes. I wasn't going to go there, but thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So with Kubo, I obviously wanted to know why we should watch it. With this film, why shouldn't people watch this? I, I know that obviously, it being a guilty pleasure, you can't exactly say it without being a hypocrite. But uh, mm-hmm. like, well, what's your warning to people?
0: I don't even think I want to warn people not to watch it. Like I feel like people should should kind of see it. <laughs> if nothing else, I feel like I feel like aliens should. If aliens were come, to come to Earth years from now like I want them to watch it on VHS just to like get an idea of like here's a good encapsulation of like uh medieval times but through a 90s lens cuz ah. it's so there's such a 90s sort of onlay to it where there's that um the what is it Brian Adams song or whatever that was wildly popular was in it and yes, I just feel like uh, it's it's very it's it's a it's an encapsulation of like here in the 90s in the early 90s here's what movies look like where we even if it was a period piece you know like yeah. christian slater's in it because it's like christian slater's a hot property he's a hot commodity <laughs> <laughs> you know he's he's fresh off these you know these uh, late 80s early 90s movies let's get him so i think it speaks to what was going on in the film industry at the time which is like um where, who was popular so i i think it's an interesting movie to watch even if it is even if it does fall flat yeah. I, I think I would still encourage people to watch it just to kind of laugh at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, versus, versus like this is, you know, this is like disgusting, despicable and don't ever watch it because it's a waste of your time. Right. I feel like this is a good use of your time.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see the argument for some films that aren't necessarily horrible. They're just not great. As being yeah. a sort of examples so of like, well, this is what it was at the time. So I, you know, I yeah, I suppose it's okay. And yeah. yeah. But again, I, I
0: didn't like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a movie that I downright hate where I'm like, oh. ah,
1: yeah. so
0: I, I thought to take one that I, I outright loved as a child. And now reflecting back, I'm like, oh no, like watching through <laughs> spread fingers, you know?
1: Yeah. I, am. Um, uh, I, I had someone on that it actually made me put the caveat of a film you hate or a film you were disappointed in because he came mm. on and said, you know, there's no film I hate, but I was very disappointed in Joe's apartment. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, which <laughs> I actually enjoyed as a kid. So it was uh, fun talking gotcha. about that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, There's
0: actually, in in that version of Robin Hood, there's um, – you brought up uh Whose Line Is It Anyway?
1: Yeah. Friar
0: Tuck is one of the guys from Whose Line Is It Anyway, the British uh the British version.
1: Oh really? Um uh, I don't know I
0: don't know his name, but he's a larger guy who plays Friar Tuck in that in that version. Uh,
1: um, is that that uh, McShane guy? Uh, I think Mike McShane or something like that.
0: Possibly. Yeah. Um, he's a very large guy. I think he has like a mole like a large mole on his face. He has a very deep sort of uh yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I think that's him. I, I know that I, I kind of, I kind of have his face in front of me from the, gotcha. the brief glimpses I've seen of this film, and I know that Brian Blessed was in it. Which, yeah, if you're going to do a medieval England film, you've got to have Brian Blessed in it because. Oh, who does he play? Uh, Brian Blessed is, uh, I think, it's Robin Dad. Um, in it. Okay. Like, he's the guy that has the giant booming voice because that is his voice. Like it's yeah. It's <laughs> so it's actually really weird. To, like like everything he's been he's been in the first series of Blackadder, which is great. He he also did the uh, like the English TV version of a Japanese game show that aired in the early nineties, and they then brought it over to England in the two thousands and so like. He, was this guy that just appeared on screen and shouted at you as everything was going on. It was uh, He's <laughs> a very big, booming guy, and probably best known for Flash Gordon. Uh, he's the uh, Gordon's Alive guy. So.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Uh,
1: but, yeah, I, I remember looking back after I started... Really getting into film and uh, looking at who plays what and what other films they've been in. I remember looking at this film and the cast list and just going, you know, "You've got Morgan Freeman, Alan Rickman, they, uh, Kevin Costner is a good actor. He just made some interesting choices." Uh, so it's, <laughs> it was really a shock to me when I saw bits and pieces from the show. I was like, "Oh no, what are you doing? No, don't do that." I don't, I, and I don't even know if he's a
0: good actor. I feel like. If you took clips of him from every movie he's done, whether it be, you know, successful or unsuccessful, I feel like he has the exact same intention behind his voice, the exact same look. Like, I feel like, I feel like he just, he just has the same mannerisms and speech. I don't, I don't think there's any range to him. Yeah. Because even, even in like, even like in Waterworld that maybe called for like a broader uh, take, he was just like, there's land ahead, water. (laughs) <laughs> it's Like in Robin Hood, he's like, "I have a brother. I have a brother." And then in you know uh, Fields of Dream it's just like, "Oh, if you build it, we, they come, baby." You know, it's just <laughs> like it's like everything has the same non excitement to it, or the same sort of approach. Like I don't, I don't see any range. Maybe when he was younger, maybe like Bull Durham days, there was some more pep and stuff. But yeah. I feel like he he and and not that I I don't find him uninteresting. Just I don't know. I guess he's fine, but I, I just feel like there's no there's no range. Like, his his bookends are right next to each other.
1: Yeah, I, I feel as though he's the type of person that if you want someone to play, especially now, say, you want to play someone who's uh, an older gentleman who's got a position of authority or who yeah. is needs to be a tragic father figure, that's the guy. You go straight for him yeah. and you get that. <laughs> Uh, but am yeah. Try to think of,
0: like, his most re- recent movie, I think, was, like, Draft Day, which is, like, a, a drama set in the NFL draft
1: room, where it's, like, yeah. he has to
0: figure out what picks his team gets. Um,
1: yeah, something like that. I know he was in, uh, he's Jonathan Kent in the the newest DC Superman films, uh, so, mm-hmm. okay. but Gotcha. Oh, yes.
0: he was in, he was in... Um, uh, what was that called? About the the women who launched the space program? Uh,
1: Hidden Figures.
0: Uh, no. Yes, he was in Hidden no. Figures. So here's here's what I'll say based on Hidden Figures, Draft Day, <laughs> and whatever movies preceded that. I'd say that his his range is composition under stress. Yes. In a, in an authoritative <laughs> in, a, in a position of authority, it's composing himself under stress. So it's a lot of like taking off his glasses and touching his forehead and like. Here's the hard choice. I'll make it because I'm stoic, and we need to blaze ahead.
1: Yes, and absolutely no comment will be made on the fact that it's like that because he can't show the emotion required. Otherwise,
0: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's like having lunch with like a, a, a psychopath, where it's like they they mimic emotion but they can't feel it.
1: <laughs> or as Sherlock would say, a high functioning sociopath.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we, we're in agreement that Kevin Costner is a sociopath.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's the big takeaway from this. <laughs> <That's>...
0: Great. <laughs> I'm glad we could get to the bottom of this mystery.
1: Yes. Uh, and all, all we need to do now is uh, get a hold of someone so we can get them some help. And, uh, Absolutely. I, I don't know what I can do, uh, but I, I will make it my mission <laughs> from now on to, to be at the forefront <laughs> of this fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't think I have much more I can talk about Robin Hood, Prince of thieves, <laughs> but uh no,
0: I think we yeah we covered it all,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, if you i mean w- one thing I would say uh we kind of look for a shining light as we stole from another podcast, so what would you say is the best thing about this not so great film
0: uh about the Kevin Costner Hood? Yes, I would say the best thing is, um, I think at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, the the witch um, who who sides with the sheriff of Nottingham and help, helps him out with whatever eating babies or whatever she does, <laughs> she charges, she charges um, Morgan Freeman's character with like a giant spear. And All I feel right. like there's something, and he has like these two scimitars and he deflects or something. And I feel like at the end he, what is it? He throws a spear and it goes right through the middle of her and like flings her backwards. <laughs> I feel like that one, that one moment of Morgan Freeman's spearing a witch is, <laughs> is, is like uh, food for the soul. It's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. So I would say watch it if not, if for nothing else for that one
1: moment. Yeah, the the entire film is built up for that one little scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there could be a spinoff that's just called Spear the Witch, and it's just Morgan Freeman walking around, you know, like, Salem or, or (laughs) you know, medieval (laughs) England, just like, with a bag of spears, and just like, killing witches. It is so satisfying to see her like fly backwards.
1: Either that, or you go full on the taking the hobbits to Isengard and just do a little repetitive music video over that bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, please. All right. I I think I found your next project. You're going to somehow mount this sequel.
0: Sold. Deal. All right.
1: I I expect a ticket in the post once you put it on. 100 (laughs) percent all right well um uh, i think that's about it so seriously again thank you so much for coming on it's been a blast thank you for having me yeah uh, literally any (laughs) time and Uh, and, uh, is there anything you've got going on in the next i'm going to say week because it it, this is probably going to come out about a week from when we've recorded this uh, is there anything that you wanted to plug or mention or pretty much anything? Uh, not
0: that I can think of. Yeah, just check out Hello from the Magic Tavern. Yes,
1: and, very uh, nice do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Orify And uh, you can follow my character Chunt at Chunt with six T's on Twitter.
1: And that so. is Chunt with five more T's at the end of it, not Chunt with six T's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's and, been some confusion, yes.
1: Yes, and uh, I, I think it's come up on the show more than once. That, uh, it's like, no, it's Chunk with 60, not Chunk 60. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, do, do go listen to that. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've been the entire first series in about three months. Uh,
0: oh Jesus. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I'm so uh... sorry
0: you did that to yourself. You
1: know? <laughs> well, it was basically either that or just listen to the radio on my way to and from work. And I decided that that would be a little bit more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. well, um, uh as you said where we can find you and I'll just say here quick as I should have said at the beginning but I didn't because you know I forgot. You can follow us on Twitter at Blockbusters, Facebook.com slash Blockbusters, we're on Instagram at Blockbusters, you can email us blokebusterpodcast at gmail.com and we have a website, blokebusters which actually is up to date. The last time I said that I was incorrect, but I have rectified that now Although when this goes out, I'll probably be wrong again. So there we go. <laughs> and
0: see. it's fun. It's just fun to say the phrase blockbuster. Yes, because <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like blockbuster, but obviously with a British twist. Yes. and then it also sounds like a movie about four scientists who bust blokes.
1: Yes, exactly. It's actually uh, it's a little sad because it's just people going around pointing at men and just like. Talking shit about them, um, like we, we don't talk about that time. That was uh, that was difficult. Uh, <laughs> uh, so once again, thank you very much, Adolf, for coming on. Uh, I hope that we can talk to you again, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.